I think the thing to realize is we're all on our own path and that path can include failure. That path can include some speed bumps. That path can include um, some twists and turns that we're not expecting, but like that's just part of life. And like absolutely no one is, is on this like perfect path that is like no, no issues at all. Everything's fine. They're super successful. I think everyone has issues, but they just don't show them. And so it's easy to think like, oh no, like I'm the only one, but just remembering that every successful person you see, every person you see on social media, they all have things that they're not sharing. They all have things that they're going through. And it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in thinking that you're not doing it right or you're behind, but you're not, you're, you're just comparing yourself to someone else's highlight reel. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and thank you, thank you for choosing this podcast to listen to today. While Let's Thrive focuses on a lot of what I call 360 wellness, this includes mindset, eating disorder recovery, personal growth, and so forth, I also love to throw in some diversity with new topics, right? So, We've had discussions on, you know, intuition and finances and different fun things like astrology and human design. And now we're having another business related ones. And that's what I love about podcasts because personally, my interests and what I want to learn about are just so varied, right? Like one day I'm like, I want to learn how to be a badass business entrepreneur woman. And other days, I'm like, I need to figure out how to perfect this banana bread recipe. And other days, I'm like, I want to explore what it looks like to tap into intuition and have power over my mindset, right? Like, there's just so much variation to be had in life. What would be life without some variation? And so that's what I love about podcasts. I've said this to you all before, and I'll say it till the day I die. Podcasts, in my opinion, are amazing. It's like free education, so soak this up. (laughs) And that's why it was so neat to have today's conversation with Natalie Barbu because she is just, uh, she's like a queen with business and entrepreneurship and overall content creation. She does quite a bit of different things. And we actually recorded this conversation back in the spring, early summer of COVID 2020, And it's just now being released here in September because, you know, life happens and things get put on the back burner. And this episode just got on the back burner and so I'm so excited to release it now. And if you're unfamiliar with Natalie, she is a YouTuber, a content creator, and the founder and president of Barbu Agency. Like I said, she does a lot (laughs) and we discuss a lot in this episode, touching base on everything she's been doing and You know, overall, listening back to it, though, I did have a few main takeaways that I got from this overall conversation. So let me list them for you. It's better to start now and adapt along the way rather than wait for the perfect timing. 
Now think on that one, because that's a powerful statement right there, folks. Um, Another one is that facing fears is sometimes the only way to move forward, to move the needle forward in whatever endeavor you're set to accomplish. And lastly, that it's okay, A-okay, to fail, in quotes, because in reality, failure doesn't exist. It's just an opportunity for growth. Something may not go the way you expected, something may, you know, flop, I don't know, but overall, like, it's, it's just an opportunity to grow and to change and evolve. And, you know, a lot of these, uh, and, you know, these principles even apply to Natalie as her career, quote-unquote, started before she even realized it. Like, she just started on a YouTube, and that was just the beginning of her journey, but she did it to, you know, face the fears, and she just started. She knew it wasn't perfect, but she started, she adapted along the way, and, you know, now she's come so far, and it was a lot of hard work, but it was also by facing those fears and not letting that fear of failure really hold her back from even trying in the first place, and I think that's inspiring AF because you don't see or hear about too many people sharing their quote-unquote failures, right? Or even promoting you to actually fail. I mean, I think we all need to accept that this idea of failure, like, will eventually happen at some point or another in our life, but it's a moment to determine your strength, right? Like, do you keep going or do you accept defeat and just stop? That's only a, that's a question only you can answer. And I think we just have such a fear of it, right? Like we think, what will people think if I lose the job or the project flops or our relationship sucks and we file for divorce? Or what will people think if I leave school and all these different things that we see as failures and it's mainly because we're just afraid of what other people will think of us, right? I don't know, it's just once more, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And we all love a good Kelly Clarkson reference. (laughs) So back to the actual episode with Natalie, we do discuss uh, the business side of things, her transition from corporate America to entrepreneurship, her start on YouTube and podcasting and Instagram, as well as her advice for getting started and just really learning to build a brand for yourself. It's action-packed, Lots of solid discussion, and I think this convo is for anybody in life, like not just those of us interested in business or social media or entrepreneurship. Like these topics could be applied in just so many areas of general good old living. (laughs) So if something resonates, if you connect, if you like some part of this episode at all, go ahead, share it on your Instagram and tag us both. Natalie is on there at Natalie Barbu, linked below, and I'm at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. We would love to connect. I love chatting with you guys. Slide into my DMs anytime. And if you really like the show, you could always leave a rate and review, which helps me get even more amazing guests on and just shows me some love and the podcast some love, you know? Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. And without further ado, let's begin. You have your consulting business and then you do YouTube, you know, have a podcast. So could you just kind of give an idea of what it, what it is, the work you do, and then we can dive into like how you got started and just behind the scenes with it. 
Yeah. So I started consulting because I really just always wanted to start my own business. And that was always just a huge goal of mine. And so I was just trying to think about what am I good at? And I used to have an online store. So that my first thing was an online store and I really wanted to open it. I thought it'd be such a great idea and it was fun, but I started realizing I didn't like a lot of aspects of it. Like I didn't like the shopping for the clothing part because there's just so much to choose from. And like, I wanted it to be different, but then also be able to sell and like, I couldn't because I wasn't actually designing the clothes. I was like getting it from wholesalers. It just didn't feel totally my own. And so I like really didn't like the more like the photo shoots part, the clothing part, which kind of shocked me because I thought I would like that. And like, that's the stuff I didn't like, but I loved like the marketing, the coming up with like which influencers to send stuff to coming up with um, our branding and like the the mission behind our store. Like what, what do we want to convey? And I really loved the branding aspect and like the marketing aspect of the store. And I was like, I think I could make this so successful like for other people like I feel like I have so many ideas like so many creative campaigns that we can do I just don't want to do it for my own thing (laughs) because I just didn't want to like always be doing the photo shoots and the like finding the clothing and all of that stuff so I actually ended up closing my store because I just wasn't really passionate about it it took a lot of time that I was like dreading and I was like this is not like I've only had this for a year. Like I shouldn't be feeling this way. So I closed my store and I realized I wanted to do consulting like for other businesses because I realized that was what I was really good at. And so many people would always ask me questions like, how do I start a business? How do I start a YouTube channel? How do I start a podcast? How do I do whatever? And so I realized I'm like, not many people that are in the industry are doing consulting on this. Like you'll see consulting, but it's like people who maybe work in marketing, but they, they don't have a YouTube channel of their own. You know, they're just kind of like, reading from a textbook of like what's what works and what doesn't or like learning about the algorithm and what works with what doesn't but I feel like there wasn't that many people that were actually on YouTube teaching about YouTube like in that way and like my channel isn't like a teaching channel like that's not what it is it's very much like lifestyle vlogs and so I was like I think I have an advantage with that so that's kind of how I started consulting I was like I think I see a space in the market for this and I think people will be really interested because I get questions like this all the time. And then I just started my consulting company and it's just been like expanding and growing from there. So I kind of consider it an agency now where I'm trying to help other brands with like influencer marketing campaigns and with their own branding, but yet also still helping individuals with their like personal brands and businesses. Um, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. I'm seeing like the business side and also like working individually one-on-one with people, which I really enjoy. So Okay. Now you went to school for engineering, right? So when did you pick up like the branding, marketing, all of that knowledge? Because it's, you know, it is, like you said before, it's a fusion, I think of experience, which you have, you know, through multiple platforms and that knowledge. But I'm just curious, like, where did you pick up on the knowledge or was that knowledge derived from your experience in the field? Yeah. So I think that engineering helped me become a critical thinker and it helped me think about um, just every aspect of the business, like not just having the idea, but actually like the financials and how is this going to run and the long-term goals and visions of it. And I think industrial engineering did help me just be a more like well-rounded thinker and more critical thinker. I don't think like my coursework directly applies to what I'm doing, but just the way that it's shaped like my brain to think about things I think has really helped. Um, and my mindset, but I kind of just made this shift because all throughout college, I was still doing YouTube. So like I've been learning all throughout college. I was still doing it full time. Like I was uploading every week. I think my senior year, I started uploading two times a week. I started doing way more brand deals. I started working with more people and brands and 
I think just through that experience, I, I realized that I could like that this was actually, um, an opportunity for me. And I was learning a lot about marketing just through my own marketing. But then once I started that, once I had that curiosity in me, like, okay, I really am interested in marketing. I do want to learn more about it. I started taking courses like on Skillshare and like reading, like looking up YouTube videos about marketing and PR just so that I could get more of that like educational perspective, not just from like my own experience. So because I didn't have a formal education in marketing, I did want to still have some education, I guess you could say in it. So after college, I started just like looking up courses online and stuff like that. And I've been thinking of getting like a certificate or I don't know, in New York, I was like, maybe I could take some classes at NYU. I just don't know if it's worth it for me, like financially, because I mean, college is so expensive. And I think that honestly, there's so many like, like ways to learn online that I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it. So I'm going to keep learning online and then seeing if I should like go to a, like go to take some college courses. Okay. Suggestion. Um, I, it's so funny that you said that, like wanting to kind of get a certification because I firmly believe same as you that like, you don't always need a degree or, you know, a fancy piece of paper to say Mm -hmm. you're capable of this. Uh, I think it comes from like showing what you're capable of, but similar to Skillshare, there's this online platform, um, Coursea, like course and then a, and they provide, individual courses from colleges and universities. So I just got certified in online, like digital content marketing through UC Davis. And it's like a certification, you get it printed out. So it's not a degree, you know, it's nothing like that, but it's a bit more. And like the course only cost me $50. It's like five weeks worth of knowledge. You take notes. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to have to do that. That's such a good recommendation because yeah, yeah, I was just... Like I, cause I had contact with this one, um, this one course at like, what's the Columbia. Yeah. That's like the school mm-hmm. in New York, the Ivy. Is it an Ivy? I think it's an Ivy. Uh, I'm not sure, but <laughs> that school in New York city. And it was like an in-person course for like 10 weeks. And I'm sure obviously now it's not in person cause it would be going on during this time, but uh, it was an in-person course for 10 weeks. You go there like two or three times and it's like night classes. So it's for people that have jobs. Um, and I was thinking of doing it, but then I, I was talking to the lady and it's $10,000 for a 10 week course. It's like not even a degree. It's just $10,000. I was like, yeah, I am not going to spend $10,000 on this. Like, I think you make, maybe make good connections because maybe there's people in the industry that are teaching it, but I'm like, I already have a lot of connections. I can make my own connections online. I feel like the world is getting so much smaller with the internet and like, I don't need to spend $10,000 on this. Yeah, my jaw dropped when you said that. Um. Yeah, I was like, I minded too because it they don't tell you the price on the website. You have to have a call with like someone from admissions or whatever. And so once I had that call, I was like, uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Change of heart, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I was like, stop responding to the emails. I was like, oh god, like I can't do that. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. I know they always they always get you that way. But, yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think like that kind of plays into something else that relates to, you know, what I'm doing, what you're doing, what a lot of people feel where it's like, we're just so afraid to start something because we feel we need that permission almost to like go out there and do it. But you're a prime example of like how many things you've started now and some have done amazing, like some, like your shop, you decided to close, but nevertheless, like you decided to just go for it and just start, um, without, maybe always having like the perfect business plan or something set out. So like, what are your thoughts on that? Like just that idea of 
just start and adapt along the way? Or do you really like having that kind of business plan strategic layout beforehand? Okay, so I do not agree necessarily that you need a business plan. I think you need to have maybe something written down with like ideas. And so I always have like a running list of business ideas. I have it on my computer. So like when I had this idea, I started like jotting it down. And like before I knew it, I had like a whole page and a half worth of like my ideas and like prices and how this would work and whatever. Because I think when you do write it down, it becomes clear. Like it's in your mind, it might be like jumbled, but then when you put it on paper, it is a little clearer. I don't think so that you need a like 10 page business plans with like future like financial projections and all of this stuff. Like I think if you're, it depends on the industry, obviously, like maybe if the business you're trying to create is going to upfront cost you tens of thousands of dollars because it's like a tech company or whatever, then yeah, maybe. But with something smaller that isn't the biggest investment, I don't think you need a business plan to just start. I mean, register, like I think that you just need to have the idea, maybe have something on paper just to like have it be clear, but then just adapt along the way because I think the world we live in now is changing every second. And so you can't have a business plan that is going to project where you're going to be in five years because you have no idea how the world is going to be in five years. So like you don't even know how the world is going to be in three months. Like you just have to adapt along the way. And I think if the coronavirus has showed us anything, it's that, you know, like I think before coronavirus, you could say that social media changes so quickly and how like now streaming is the new thing and everything's digital and everything's online. But now even after coronavirus, it's like now we don't even need to meet in person. Like things can halt at any time. Now everything is like Zoom calls and FaceTimes. And so, I mean, the world just is changes so quickly that I don't think a business plan is relevant after once you start your business, your business plan goes out the window, I feel like. And I've talked to so many business owners and like, they all say the same thing. They're like, yeah, like we didn't have a business plan. We just started going along the way. Like I actually interviewed the founder or one of the co-founders of Kopari, like the coconut oil brand or coconut like base brand. And she was saying, she's like, yeah, we didn't really have a big business plan at all. Like things change. Like you just have to go with the flow with it. And I think that that's like the best advice is just to start, like seriously, just start. And if, if it fails, it fails. And if not, you change. Like it's, I I don't think, I think people are too scared of failure and failure doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing because you learn a lot from it. Oh my gosh. I say failure is like, you know, something good is coming out of it because that's every time I've grown the most, like when you hit those rock bottoms and then it's just like an upward climb from there. Uh, It can only get better. Uh, And I think also like what you were saying, people are just like so afraid to start. And I think sometimes that holds us back. I mean, I know with my podcast, it would have been out three, four months sooner than it was, but I was so afraid to just start. I wanted everything to be perfect. You know, I thought I had to have it like this huge master plan and then it kind of accidentally got published, you know, so it forced me into it. But yeah, like I totally agree where that fear of just starting and fear of failure can not only like hold us back, but it just like, I don't know, it can kind of put a crutch in your plans. And I think sometimes it is best to just, I don't know, not, you know, you're not winging it. Like you said, you have a little bit of layout, you have an idea and then just go for it and see what happens. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely think that fear of failure holds us back more than anything. And like, you're already failing by not starting. (laughs) If you just like, just start. And then if you fail, you know what? Every single successful person fails every single one. There's not one person I don't think that is successful that like has never failed in their life. Like every single one has. Isn't it so funny how like a lot of us in this field love the stories and the podcasts about 
the big CEOs and big people that have failed along the way. And then when it comes to our own life, we're so, so afraid of it. You know, like the stories we love yet uh, we fear it for ourselves. So that's something else too, like people can keep in mind. Uh, yeah. Cause I'm sure in the moment it's for them, it was like the worst thing ever. You feel like you're never going to get out of it. But like after a few years when you hindsight, obviously it's 2020, but like, I think it's good to have those stories. Cause then when we're in the moment of failure, we can know like, okay, we can come out of this. Like there is hope at the end of the tunnel. So I think that that's like important to keep in mind. Yeah. And I mean, when it did come to starting your consulting, cause that was, that's probably been your latest start, right? Podcast came right. before that. So when it came to starting the consulting, was that also when you were leaving corporate world and everything that brings, you know, in regards to safety and security in job and like in work? Yeah. So when I started my podcast, it was end of March of last year and I quit my job in April and then I stopped working like beginning of May or end of May. I think, yeah, I stopped working at the end of May, but I like put my notice in in April. So by the time I started my podcast, I had known that I was going to quit my job. Like I had already decided in my head, I'm going to quit in April. Like I knew when I was going to quit. So uh, I I'd already, cause I don't think I could have done it. Also, so sorry if there's background noise. Oh, it's <laughs> I can, okay. Like, it's okay. Um, I don't, I would not have like been able to do my podcast and working for like months on end. So like, I kind of knew I was quitting. So I was like, I'm just going to start this now. And then I know I'm quitting. I know I'm done with this job in like one to two months. What were the emotions or like the feelings you had leaving the corporate world? Because for a lot of people, you know, a corporate job can mean, you know, a plethora of different things, but I think majority, it does provide people with you know, a sense of security, safety. Um, it's it's a known presence. Leaving it is jumping into a vast, you know, cavern of unknown. unknown. Mm-hmm. So how were you feeling during that time? You know, were you happy? Were you nervous? Uh, just to give people a perspective of like what that was like. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't that nervous, which I think sounds weird. I just think I was like so over my job when I quit that I was just so excited. Like, it was like the best day of my life. I was nervous to tell my audience, but I wasn't like nervous for myself, if that makes sense. So like I was, I was nervous that like they, my audience wasn't going to take it well. Um, but then they really, they took it super well. Like maybe I had like a few comments that were like, uh, I'm unsubscribing, but like it was probably 0.1%. Like it was so few of those comments. So like I didn't really care. Uh, and then I just was really excited. So I I had so much more free time to do things that I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to start this business, but I knew that there was absolutely no way I could do it while um, at my corporate job, like just absolutely no time. So I just started brainstorming more. I feel like I just got more creative. I started just thinking of more ways to grow and I was just really excited. I knew that I, I had saved enough money. So that was a huge thing for me. I was like saving my entire corporate salary. Like I never spent any of that because I just put that in savings. Um, so I had like a cushion. I had like a whole basically year's worth of salary as a cushion, which is like more than enough. So I was like, I'm fine. Like even if things go horribly wrong and like I make zero money after this, like I have that. And like, I still haven't had to touch it, which is great. Like I've now been able to invest it and stuff like that. So um, I've just been like really fortunate and really happy, but it was, it was a very exciting day for me. It was not, I wasn't nervous at all. I love that. Uh, And you know, it's a fun new adventure in life, like what you took. So it is nice that you were able to associate it with excitement. Uh, You know, and I am wondering though, you said you were worried, kind of cautious of how people would react. And that's something a lot of us feel whatever field we're in. So, you know, throughout your life, you've 
done a lot of things that society doesn't always deem like quote unquote normal. Uh, I'm right there with you. And so I'm just curious, like, have you ever felt societal pressure to conform or to just do the normal path, you know, because you've had this YouTube channel and then the podcast and then leaving corporate. So like, how have you dealt with sometimes those societal pressures to just do what, you know, everyone else, you know, says is a normal career or a normal hobby? Right. Um, I honestly just see it as like, I am so happy right now doing what I love. I am successful in what I'm doing. I'm, I feel like I'm helping out other people along the way. And so I, to me, I'm like, so, so far from like caring what people think about what I'm doing, because I know that I'm happy and I'm like loving what I'm doing and I love my career. So, and I know it's growing. Like, I think I would be more like, put more pressure on me if all I had was one thing, like one income stream or one thing that I was doing. And I'm like, oh my God, if this goes away, what what else? Or if I like didn't have motivation or if all of a sudden I like YouTube was my main income and I hated YouTube and now I'm stuck doing it. Like then I think I would feel more pressure. But as of now, I'm in a really great spot. I'm like really happy with what I'm doing. And I just, I don't really care what other people think because normally those people are, I like, if you care what I'm doing at my age, what does that say about you? You know? So it's just like, to me, it's like, I can't even imagine caring about what someone else is doing with their lives. So like, I feel bad if you actually care what I'm doing with my life. And you know, it's like one of those things like, that's just so much more on you than it does on me. So like, okay. Like, (laughs) well, and I don't know, someone, I forget who says it, whatever, but that kind of idea of if you're, you know, receiving that sort of feedback or clapback, like you're doing something right because you're, you're like, you're doing something or you're saying something or sharing something that people obviously have an issue with, with themselves. Like when those people react in that way, it's always something in their own life, in their own thing. And you're just kind of a reflection of it to them. So, uh, and like, also it just shows who your true vibe, your true tribe, (laughs) true community is because those are the people that stay with you and just kind of stick with you, you know, no matter what you're doing, saying, kind of going through in life. Right. Right. No, I completely agree. Uh, so then also before you left corporate and just with your time there, what are like some skills and I don't know, just like some lifestyle lessons maybe that you picked up while working, you know, in that position, in that field that you've now been able to carry over to just, you know, work more effectively, be more efficient in what you do as an entrepreneur? I think with corporate, you learn a lot about how to interact with other people because you're constantly networking, especially I was in consulting also. So like in consulting, like you do a lot of networking. So I was doing a lot of networking. I was reaching out to a lot of people. I was emailing people that I had never spoken to that were in high up positions. You know, like if I don't know how to do something, I have to ask for help. So I have to find someone that knows what to do, even if I don't personally know them. So I think it really helped me with like people skills and with not being afraid to reach out to someone, even if I don't know them or even if they don't know me. So I think that that has helped me in today, like in my field today, and also just how to be professional. I think that's something that a lot of people are not, like they're not that professional in emails or when interacting with people. And I think having that corporate job has just helped me understand like what professionalism means and how like important it is. So I think it's taught me a lot of like those types of skills. Oh, I love that, uh, the aspect of professionalism, because I think Mm -hmm. that's something else that sometimes people think, you know, how can I be a professional if I don't have said qualifications, said thing, but 
I think above all, it is really a, a skill you can learn and right. apply no matter what you know field you work in or what you're sharing through. Right, right. Uh, so then, you know, carrying those skills, kind of those life lessons over into your own things, I wanted to discuss like YouTube a bit and, or, you know, even the podcast, but just how you've managed to build these platforms you're on and create a stream of revenue through them. Because I think that's something a lot of people don't always like correlate between is having these platforms, but also managing and caring about finances. And, you know, how can I do what I love while also supporting and making money? Because ultimately we do need that. So like, how has that journey been with you, you know, through the years coming to a point where you are, you know, getting paid and doing collaborations and making funds off of these things that you do love to do? Mm-hmm. I think that in the beginning, like when I started YouTube, I had no idea how you could make money. Like I didn't even know that was a thing because I started so long ago. Uh, and then the thing is like, so when I got my first offer, I like didn't even think to charge them. I was like, oh my God, yeah. Like you're going to send me a shampoo bottle? What? Like that's insane. So like in the beginning, I had no clue that you could even make money off of this. Now I do think that like everyone knows that you can make money off of it. So like the first thing people do before even starting a YouTube, they'll come up to me and they'll ask me, they're like, okay, so like I'm planning on starting a YouTube. How do I make money? And I'm just like, that's not you can't go into it like that. Like there's, it's great to know that you can make money so you can start building your brand, building your channels, building it so that you want to monetize it like that a hundred percent. Yes. But before you start a video or before you start a channel or before you start a podcast, like don't look for sponsors. That's just like, no, like that's just not how it works. It's not like a get rich quick thing. So I think that for me, like I've been very selective on like who I work with and I've been able to kind of like Now, in the beginning, I would say yes to a lot of people because I was just so excited. Now I'm at a place where I'm like, wait, I really want to make sure that like this reflects me, this reflects my brand. And also the thing when thinking about rates um, for people who are now at the point where they can start charging is that it's not necessarily about the hours you work because an Instagram picture for me doesn't take me three hours to do. Like it takes me 20 minutes. Like it doesn't take me long. It's about the years that you put into it and then the experience or the influence that you have. So if you have a larger reach, if you have an engaged audience, that's not something that was just handed to you. That's something that you've grown. And so you should, you need to charge for that amount. So I think people undersell themselves a lot because they think like, oh, it's just an Instagram post, like whatever. But it's like, no, you have a very large influence and like you grew that. So you can charge for that. Does that make sense? So like that's whenever I'm hearing people uh, asking about rates or telling me like that they want to start making money on YouTube. It's one, it's like, okay, don't do it for the money. It's not going to happen overnight. But once you build your brand and you grow your audience, charge for that amount because it's not just about the amount of time that you take in like actually doing the Instagram post or the YouTube video. I so agree with that. And I mean, the first time I did, you know, even like a podcast ad slot, I was texting with a friend and I was so nervous to ask for this said rate. And, you know, I just kind of explained to her, like, it doesn't take me long at all to put this ad together, to record it, to input it. And she's like, yeah, but you've been working for a year and a half. Like you've been, she was going through all this work and dedication I've put into the podcast and the project and that did put it in perspective. So I think you're spot on where, yeah, it's not just one photo. It's, year, you know, however long much work you've put into it and the passion and trust that you've built with your audience. Like every time you share, you're, you know, putting something out there and your audience, you know, are they trusting you for it? Are they not? So yeah, it's, it goes a lot deeper than just uh, an hourly wage, so to speak. Right. Exactly. 
So with starting like the podcast, I'm just curious to hear how has that journey been, you know, different between doing YouTube for so long and then transitioning in the podcast? Like what's been something you like about it? Something that's kind of caught you off guard or maybe a struggle you've had to overcome? I love podcasting. I like it because I get to talk to other people and like network. And with YouTube, it's a very solo job. Like I just film and edit all by myself. So I like that podcasting has introduced me to so many people. Like I didn't, I was shocked at how many connections I made through podcasting in such a short amount of time because you just reach out to people. You ask them if they want to be on your podcast. You ask them if you want to be on their podcast, whatever that might be, but you just meet people that way. And you have conversations like this where you really get to know the person and you get to talk candidly. So I really love podcasting for that reason. And also I'm someone that really misses learning. And so I just feel like I learn so much from people that I bring on my podcast that I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so happy we recorded this for other people to see, but like I learned so much from this and I just feel so lucky to be able to like pick all of my guests' brains and like talk to them and also have a platform where I can share other people's stories. So podcasting for me has been so much fun. Like I really, really love it. What would you say has been like one or two big lessons you've learned? Because I, I know that feeling where like you're talking with someone and they say something and it's just mind blown. Like, you know, it's, it's hard to keep questioning them at that point because you're just thinking about it in your own, you know, perspective. So what would you say have been like one or two takeaways from your own podcast that just have really stuck with you since beginning? One thing is like I, in the beginning, I would kind of have a list of questions and I still do have a list of questions. I always make a list out, but I would stick to the script so much. I would be like, okay, next question, next question, next question. And it's just like, that's not how you have a conversation. Like you have a conversation by like talking to the person and going off on a tangent and whatever, like just like speaking candidly again. And so I think one thing I've learned is that it's not, don't treat podcasting as just necessarily interviews, treat it more as like you're having a conversation with someone and that's how you build a deeper connection. And that's how I feel like your audience gets to know both of you guys more because it just feels like they're eavesdropping in and on conversation between you two. So that's number one thing that I've learned is trying to have more just conversations versus interviews. And it's something I'm still working on because I do feel like sometimes I get stuck and I'll be like, uh, next question. (laughs) And I need to kind of let it flow a little bit more. Um, and then another thing is just that like, sometimes things happen where the quality isn't that good. The there's noise in the background. There's like the, their headphones weren't the best or whatever. Their microphone wasn't the best. And it's just like, I think that yes, audio quality is really important, but it's so much more about like the value that you're providing with podcasts that, um, that's like the most important thing. So like, don't sweat it if it's not perfect because podcasts is all about value that you bring, not necessarily quality. Like unless you're like singing a song or whatever, then like it's more about the value, not just necessarily like the quality. So I've kind of learned to like just roll with it if things mess up or if things don't go sound perfectly because as long as the content is there and they can understand what I'm saying and what the person is saying, then like that's what really matters. So would you say you feel more or less pressure with the podcast versus YouTube? Because you have two very, I think, different formats there where YouTube you know, podcasts, you can kind of, you don't have a set length time. I think there's a bit more mobility, flexibility perhaps. So I'm just kind of curious to see which kind of brings a bit more pressure to the, to the field. I think, so I think podcasting is a lot less pressure. Um, but it's sometimes it depends on who I'm interviewing. Cause like, for example, when I was interviewing the co-founder of Kopari, I was freaking out. I was like, this is someone who owns a multi-million dollar company. Like, 
huge company that I've been wearing forever. Like I'm like, I've been wearing them ever since they started in like 2015. Like I use their products all the time. Like I cannot believe I'm speaking with her that I was like high pressure. I was like, I need to go to a quiet place. I need to have the best audio. And then she was just like with her headphones, like super chill. I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't need to put this much pressure on it. But you know, it's like, it does depend on who I'm interviewing. If I want to make sure it's like perfect, which I guess like I don't know. I should treat everyone the exact same way, but like sometimes I'm like, oh my god, they like own such a big company. I need to put in the works for them. And like, <laughs> um, but YouTube in general is more pressure because there's way more many like more eyes on you. And like on my podcast, I'm interviewing other people. It's not like about me. YouTube is about me, so it's like people are judging me. People are like learning about my life. So I just feel like more pressure in that sense too. And do you think that people are generally more critical when it comes to YouTube because? I mean, with podcasts, you can get a nasty review. You know, I've got my first one, got the tears out. <laughs> um, but like beyond that, there aren't too many like opportunities for people to take a jab at you. So ha- is that something that like YouTube has provided as a challenge? A hundred percent. Yeah. YouTube is so much more negative than the podcast world, like by a million. I mean, it's just like, I got my, fr- I got like one or two really nasty reviews on my podcast too. And I was like, oh my God, I can't delete these. Like I can't. <laughs> Um, so YouTube at least allows you to delete some things, but YouTube is just a lot of anonymous people leaving hate and they have no idea who you are, but they feel like they do. So it's, it's a lot more negative of a space than podcasting. Definitely. Yeah. So then I take it like the audiences are like, have you found that your audience from YouTube has mainly transferred over to podcasting or has they kind have you kind of built like an entirely different audience with the podcast? Um, I do think it's mainly people that listen to or watch my YouTube that go to the podcast, which this year, one of my goals is to grow the podcast on its own. Like I want the podcast to grow, not because of my YouTube or my social media. So like, that's been a challenge for me is like having it grow on its own. So that's like the thing I'm working on the most in 2020. I love that you said that. And I appreciate it so much because Uh, I think it can be tricky, like as a content creator, when you know how much work you're putting into something. Right. And then you see people that sometimes, you know, I don't know, they just start it and which is amazing, but it can be so easy to compare of like, oh, of course, like they've got a big following. So it's like, they just kind of assume everything's going to carry over. And that's just not the case. Like when you start a YouTube or a podcast separate from your social media, like it doesn't always carry over. I mean, people aren't always willing to go to that other medium. So I love that you said that and that you're focusing on that because I think it, you know, it shows a lot where you provide a different sort of content with each platform and you're honoring that and, you know, really staying true to it too. Right. I think it's, it's not the smartest when people kind of do all the same content on all the same platforms because each platform has its unique strengths and weaknesses. Like Instagram is good for like, very aesthetically pleasing stuff and maybe showing more like cool pictures about your life. YouTube for me, I use it as more of a no filter thing. Like I don't wear makeup. I don't like try to look nice on YouTube. You know, it's more like no filter, very raw, very me. Instagram is more like highlight, whatever podcast. I want to make it very informational, like provide value. Um, you know, so I use each one differently and I think it kind of becomes not problematic, but it can be, I don't want to say boring, but when you do like when your YouTube videos are all about the same things as your podcast, because then it's like 
what's the difference? Like, what, why would I watch your YouTube if I can listen to you on your podcast or vice versa? So I think it's just always important to whenever you are starting a new platform, like what is going to be the difference between this compared to your other ones. And like, you don't need to be on all social medias. Like I barely use Twitter and like, I'm fine with that. Like I don't really use Twitter. I do not use Snapchat. I only use Snapchat for like close friends. Like I don't have it public. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't need to be on every platform. Now, when it came to starting those platforms and finding your voice, so to speak, you know, like what you wanted each to kind of represent, did you do anything in particular or questions you asked yourself to niche down or not even niche down, but just kind of develop that overall brand, the overall feel that each platform would provide? Yeah. I mean, I wanted it all to be me. Like I always wanted it to be like very representative of who I was. So I wasn't going to start like my podcast to be about, I don't know, like let's say like interviewing people and then my YouTube to be only about like makeup or fashion, you know, like I want, I did want like some crossover. So it's very similar audiences, but I just wanted to provide different values for on each platform. Okay. That makes sense. And when it did come to, you know, creating the podcast though, and because I feel like with the podcast, there's definitely, I mean, you have the cover art, you know, your type of guest, you have the bio, there's like a bit of branding that's going in there to figure out, you know, what is this? Who, Who am I with it? Did you do that on your own? Like what were some processes or tips you'd give someone that's looking to do, you know, not like a major branding of themselves, but just some minor branding and really get like a dignified, you know, signified look and feel to their project? Um, I think it's important to always have things like kind of uniformed, you know, like on YouTube, have all your thumbnails look like they are your thumbnails. Like don't make each one look so different where it's like, I, wow, these all look so different. I have no idea which one's yours or if they're all yours, whatever. I always like having that like uniformed feel, but also at the end of the day, like you're allowed to change it too. Like you don't put so much pressure on like finding that branding. It's like, oh my God, I cannot start unless I have like the logo down because you can change it. Like it's your own thing. Like I already changed my consulting website's logo. Like I've gone through a rebranding on that and I haven't even had it for a year and like that's fine. Um, But I just think it's more important to have something that is very cohesive and looks like you. But if one day you get tired of it, which maybe you will, like that's okay to change it too. But I, I just think it's it's good to have like the same type of look because that way if someone sees like, for example, YouTube thumbnail, if someone sees your thumbnail and then they see another video that has a similar thumbnail, they're going to know that it's your video without even have to like read the title of it. So I think stuff like that, it's important to be cohesive and like obviously with your podcast, don't change your cover every time because you want people to see that cover and like know that that's you and you kind of want them to like know what to expect when they listen to an episode. But other than that, like don't be afraid to like change it either if you feel like you're tired of it or you need to. Yeah. And I mean, similar to what we were saying in the beginning about, you know, people fearing failure. uh, I think we can also fear change, but in Mm -hmm. reality, like change is fine. Like you said, as long as you're not changing it every episode, um, you'll be perfectly okay. People, the right people that follow you will keep following you. Right. You know, so when it does come to content creation, since you're doing three different platforms and each, as you mentioned before, has its own kind of vibe, brand, message to it, how do you schedule creating content for each said one? Because I know I personally sometimes struggle between shifting mindsets of, you know, more business focus oriented work and more of the creative, you know, content creation. So I'm just curious, how do you batch your work? How do you, you know, really just keep everything straight for each platform that you're on? 
So I am a huge organize, like organizational person. So I use Google Calendar for an overview of everything. So if I have a podcast going up, I put it there. If I have a video that's due, I put it there. If I have a video that's going up, I put it there. If I need to film a video, I put it there. Like I put everything that I need to do on my Google Calendar, but I also use, so I used to use Trello and now I kind of switched over to Asana, which is a project management tool. And I have everything on there from like my consultations, my podcast, my YouTube, my personal stuff, like everything's on there with due dates. So I know like when I need to complete something by, um, I am like starting to build a team. Like I hired my first PR intern. So I'm like going to have them on there and like put like, okay, you need to do this and like assign them to certain projects and tasks. So having everything kind of in one software, like is really important to me. So I didn't want to have like a separate one for my consultations and my podcast and my YouTube, because it's easier for me when I like see it all in one space and like then I can prioritize like what I need to do or just have like a to-do list for that day. But everything's on my Google calendar. So I know like exactly what needs to be done by when, and then I'll have everything also in Asana so I can know like the steps to do it or things I need to be working on or whatnot. Now with that all together and like all your due dates, knowing what you have to do, do you set set hours for yourself to work being as you work for yourself or do you just kind of go with the flow, see what each day brings? Um, I definitely, so I'm not, I don't set strict hours. I wake up early because if I wake up at like 11 a.m., I'm my day is done. I'm not doing anything that day. I, it's just like a mentality for me. Because of corona, I've been waking up actually pretty late at like 9 a.m., which is like really late for me. I used to wake up at like 7 a.m. when I lived, when I was in New York. Um, and so now I'm waking up at like 9 and I'm like, this is weird, but like what else am I doing all day? So <laughs> I'm fine with it because I don't have anywhere to go. But um, I've been... I, I normally just have like a to-do list and like work until everything is done. So if everything is done at 7 p.m., then I'm not, um, I'm done at seven. If everything's done by two, I'm done at two. And then I start working on the next day stuff until I'm like done for the day. But then, you know, so I try, I don't have like from this time to this time I'm doing this or this time to this time I'm doing this, but I have the to-do list and I'll like work on something, have that be done. Okay, check. Next thing, have that be done, check. So it's just like a running list of things. And then whenever I feel like I've completed everything for the day, then I'm free to stop whenever. I love that. Yeah, I found similar where if I can have that list and then have dedicated time slots of focus and know that after 45, 50 minutes, I can take a 10 minute break to, you know, do whatever and then get back onto the next thing. uh, I found that to, you know, kind of help too. Yeah. And everyone's different. Like I'm a very self-motivated person, so I don't feel like I need to have everything hour by hour. But, um, I do think that like some people that works for them and that's really great. Like in the beginning I did used to have actually hour by hour, like a few months ago, I was doing it in my calendar. Like this time to this time I'm going to the gym, this time to this time I'm doing this. Now I I've kind of like know how long things are going to take me. So I just have like a running list of things to do. But if I have like a ton of stuff to do and I'm like super overwhelmed, then I'll put it hour by hour so I can see like, can I get this done in one day? Like, (laughs) so I'll do that too. I did that for a while and then I found, so I'm really bad where if I'm working on something and I'm supposed to stop at 11 a.m., but I'm almost done, like I'll keep going to like 11.20, but then everything gets like backed up and by the end of the day I have like five, you know, unswiped notifications that I'm, you know, behind on, so Um, But yeah, like it all depends on people. I'm pretty bad at like staying on time. So I think that's why I struggled with it. But um, yeah, so just finding, you know, what works. But, you know, I am curious, kind of last things here to wrap things up. uh, 
making that shift, as we mentioned before, from corporate to entrepreneur, working for yourself, there's a lot of struggles that can come with it, you know, as well as the good. But I'm just curious, like if you had to sum it up or just name, you know, one or two mindset shifts that you made that really helped you thrive in this environment of being your own boss and doing things on your own. Uh, some mindset shifts, mindset shifts for me was just realizing that one, like we were talking about, it's okay if things don't go perfectly right. Like it's okay if things go a little out of plan, that's all like part of life and it's only going to make me more successful in the future because I'll be learning from it. And also just being confident in what I'm doing. So like there are times when I definitely care what people think. And like when I'm like really torn down because I got a nasty comment or I'm really upset because I see someone else and they're doing something similar to me, but they're doing it better. And I'm like, Oh my God, like why am I even trying if they're doing it so much better than I am? But like, I think the thing to realize is we're all on our own path and that path can include failure. That path can include some speed bumps. That path can include um, some twists and turns that we're not expecting, but like, that's just part of life. And like, absolutely no one is is on this like perfect path that is like no no issues at all everything's fine they're super successful i think everyone has issues but they just don't show them and so it's easy to think like oh no like i'm the only one but just remembering that every successful person you see every person you see on social media they all have things that they're not sharing they all have things that they're going through and it's it's easy to get wrapped up in thinking that you're not doing it right or you're behind but you're not you're you're just comparing yourself to someone else's highlight reel when you shouldn't be. So I think for me that that was like a mind shift, mindset. I can't say that word. Mindset shift for me was realizing that like that's okay if I do something wrong because everyone else is too, even if they're not necessarily showing it. Oh, I love that, and it's so true. Kind of like keep your eyes in your own lane. Be aware right. of people around you, but not not swerving into their lane. Uh, right. Well, I love that you are. So amazing. And I can't thank you enough for this. Uh, if you could just let people know where to find you on, you know, platforms we discussed today and just learn all they can and follow your journey. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This interview was super, like, I, I feel like people are going to really want to listen to this, especially because it's stuff that I don't want to talk or I don't talk about a lot. So I think that this is going to be a really cool episode, but, um, you can find me on Instagram at Natalie Barbu. Uh, my website is nataliebarbu.com, but it's also barbuagency.com. They take you to the exact same thing. So whichever one you want to go to. Um, I also have a podcast called the real, real podcast. And you can find it on Apple or Spotify. And I think that's pretty much it. So perfect.